The Emperor has been expecting you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week. This week is going to be a really fun episode because I've got Shannon and Scott from the Song Salad podcast on the show. They do a podcast where they dig into topics similar to the ones that we do on this show, and then they compose and perform a song based on it. So I'm going on their show to do exactly that, and hopefully we'll share the song at the end of this episode. Quick programming note, it took 40 episodes, but it has finally happened. I have to issue a correction. There's something I got wrong in last week's show, and strangely enough, it wasn't about the show topic. It was about the caller's location. Alex said he was from Duluth. Many of you know that Duluth is clearly in Minnesota, not Iowa, as I said. I was thinking of Dubuque when I was talking about the river town. I've been to both Dubuque and Duluth, and my apologies for that, Alex, from Duluth, Minnesota. Finally, I've got exciting news to announce. This podcast is now a part of the WCBE podcast experience. WCBE is Central Ohio's original NPR station, and I'm thrilled to have the Internet Says It's True be a part of it. You'll be able to get this show on the NPR One app. Download that, make WCBE your station on the app, and you will start seeing this podcast there. Now, on to the show. I got this week's suggestion from Lynn in Columbus, who said she recently learned about America's only emperor, Norton the First, and she thought that would make a good episode. So thanks for that, Lynn. I remember hearing about this in school. And not to get all political here, but it's absolutely ridiculous that I remember hearing about this guy in elementary school, but was never taught about things like the Tulsa Massacre or the Tuskegee Experiment. Enough of my soapbox. Let's tell a story. It was December of 1852 in San Francisco, and though he didn't know it yet, Joshua Abraham Norton just got taken for a ride. He'd soon lose all his money thanks to a single shady business deal. San Francisco was in the middle of a huge population boom. Just four years earlier, the city's population had grown from 1,000 to 25,000. It was the height of the gold rush, and many of those people had come from China. They were coming to the West to work and to escape famine conditions in China. As a result, huge amounts of rice were needed to feed the population of San Francisco, which by that time was one-fifth Chinese. China was no longer importing rice to America. They were in the middle of a horrible famine and several large-scale armed rebellions. So Peru stepped in and sent a ship of rice to San Francisco. Joshua Abraham Norton got word of this ship and paid $25,000 for the rice at a cheap price, just 12 and a half cents a pound. He knew he could charge three times as much for the rice because there was a shortage and he could make a huge profit. Before he could sell the rice, Two more Peruvian ships arrived with so much rice that the shortage was ended. Not only did the cost drop to three cents a pound, he couldn't sell it at such a high margin. This deal broke him, and historians cite this bad business deal as the first real act in the story of Emperor Norton. His family came to the U.S. from South Africa, though it appears that he was born in England. He was only two years old when they immigrated to America, and there's quite a bit of evidence that as a young man, Joshua Norton did quite well in San Francisco. As he came of age, he worked as a real estate speculator and bought and sold odd commodities. He had inherited $40,000 when his parents died, 
and turned that into a quarter of a million dollars. That made him an extremely wealthy citizen of San Francisco at that time, and he was well-respected and widely known as a successful businessman. But this one single deal with the Peruvian rice absolutely broke him. It led to a lengthy lawsuit, but Norton ended up poor, having declared bankruptcy, gone into foreclosure, and he was forced to end up living in a working-class boarding house. Joshua Abraham Norton had always been in tune to the politics of the day. He was outspoken and opinionated with what he called fraud and corruption that prevented a fair and public expression of the public voice. He cited violation of laws by political parties and mob rule. He was one of these guys that often told friends, if I were running the country, things would be different. Except he actually meant it. On September 17, 1859, he declared through a letter to the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin where he officially announced that he had named himself Emperor of these United States. In his statement, he added, quote, And in virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in musical hall of this city on the first day of February next, then and there, to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring, and thereby cause confidence to exist, both at home and abroad, in our stability and integrity." End quote. Those evils he was talking about? He declared that the United States Congress be immediately abolished, and that Major General Winfield Scott, the current commander of the army, should remove them by force. We know these things because the newspaper continued to print his ranting decrees. They were doing it for humor. In this case, it was humorous because Norton had no official office or power, and Winfield Scott wasn't the current commander. He had been retired for 15 years and was in his 70s. Norton continued issuing decrees, firing public officials in Washington and replacing them with other people that he deemed fit. He abolished the United States political parties, and none of it had any effect because it turns out you can't just make yourself emperor through a letter to the editor. That didn't stop him from donning a new daily look a pseudo-military uniform he had pieced together. And while we're talking about a new look, it's a good time to tell you about one of my awesome partners, Scotty Vest. That's another killer segue. If you are traveling this summer, hiking, or even just plan on spending a lot of time around the home, Scotty Vest is a company that got its start on Shark Tank and has continued on to great success. I learned about them from other friends who travel like I do because they're really the perfect clothes for traveling. From lightweight shirts to hoodies to jackets, they are packed with pockets and designed with commuting in mind. Give them a look at scottyvest.com and just by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Enter promo code TELLME, all one word, T-E-L-L-M-E, at scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME. Believe it or not, virtual presentations are not going anywhere. I'm serious. I just had two this week. If you are still being asked to show up to work via Zoom, you might as well take some time and effort into making sure you look professional. Even if you're not doing shows like I am, but you want to make sure you're presenting yourself in a way that lets people know you've got yourself together, check out Virtual Presenter Course. They have an easy-to-follow set of courses that teach you everything, from lighting to sound to backgrounds and more. They'll teach you how to set up your home broadcasting so you'll stand out in your next online meeting. And they've agreed to allow me to give you 20% off of your order. Just go to virtualpresentercourse.com slash 30 
and that 20% discount code will automatically be applied. The link is in the show notes. You're going to love this course. Let's get back to the Emperor. Even though Emperor Norton's decrees weren't taken seriously, he was no less given lots of attention in San Francisco. Some of the older citizens in the city knew him from his earlier success, but most knew him from the newspapers. And for his brazenness, for his eccentricity, he was treated well. He could walk into food establishments and be given a free meal. After all, this is the Emperor of the United States we're talking about. Oh, and he also added the title Protector of Mexico after the French invaded Mexico in 1861. I mentioned earlier a little bit about his uniform. He dressed in a baggy, faded blue military uniform with bright, shiny gold shoulder epaulettes and brass buttons. He would strut along the streets in his uniform and a large beaver skin hat with big, brightly colored peacock feathers and a colorful rosette. He walked with his chest out and his head held high and acted just like a king. He would frequently be seen inspecting the conditions of the sidewalks and cable cars and would be greeted excitedly by local citizens. If you engaged him in conversation, he would give you an earful of what he thought about the current state of law and politics. At one point, he was arrested in order to commit him for involuntary treatment for mental disorder. The local citizens were able to free him by complaining that he wasn't hurting anyone. They all took care of, appreciated, and protected their eccentric emperor. He issued his own promissory notes, his own paper money. It was printed for him by local printers free of charge, and he would attempt to pay his way with them, and a lot of the local stores accepted his money out of respect for the man. If he owed a debt, people were happy to get one of his imperial notes. If nothing else, to have Norton's signature. Even though many knew he was poor, there were consistent rumors of him having a secret enormous wealth. He was never recognized as any sort of official office holder, unless you count Kame, Kame, okay, this one's tough. Kamehameha, the fifth king of Hawaii, who at one point refused to recognize the official government of the United States and issued a letter saying that he only recognized Emperor Norton as the sole leader of the United States. Even though Norton was eccentric and arguably mentally ill, he did have a few ideas that were pretty good. He had the idea of a bridge and tunnel connecting San Francisco with Oakland, something that no one paid any attention to until more than 50 years after his death when they built the Golden Gate Bridge and Transbay Tube. He also had the idea to form a League of Nations. This was unheard of at the time, but was proven to be another revolutionary idea that we now know was adopted long after his death. There was another decree which was revolutionary and well ahead of its time, though it is one that has a debated authenticity. If you know anyone from San Francisco, you know that the shortened word Frisco is something that outsiders call the city, but no good citizen of San Francisco would actually use. In fact, they hate it. Well, here's the exact text of one of Norton's decrees. Quote, Whoever, after due and proper warning, shall be heard to utter the abominable word Frisco, which has no linguistic or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor and shall pay into the imperial treasury as penalty the sum of $25. End quote. Experts at the Emperor Norton Trust have painstakingly tried to trace down the origin of this quote, and it gets sort of foggy, to use their term, but it is being attributed to Norton in print all the way back to a book written in 1939. If he did really state this, 
It's a pretty good example of how much a citizen he truly was of the Golden Gate City. On January 8th of 1880, Joshua Abraham Norton collapsed on the sidewalk on his way to attend a lecture at the California Academy of Sciences. He was found immediately by authorities, but died before anything could be done. He was likely only 62 years old. The public learned, for certain at that time, that the man didn't have a penny to his name. And although he was a poor man who spent his life issuing meaningless decrees to anyone who would listen, he was loved and seen as a local hero. More than 10,000 San Francisco residents showed up to pay their respects at his funeral. The San Francisco Chronicle reports that mourners came from all walks of life from, quote, all classes from capitalists to the pauper, the clergyman to the pickpocket, well-dressed ladies, and those whose garb and bearing hinted of the social outcast, end quote. You can see Emperor Norton's grave at the Woodlawn Cemetery of Colma, California. The headstone proudly boasts, Norton I, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and I am so excited because today I'm calling two new friends. They are Scott and Shannon, and they're coming to us from New York and Paris, France, respectively. They're the Song Salad Podcast, which is a fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me. I know that your podcast, I listened to a few episodes, and I love it. What you do is you take topics very similar to what we have on this show, but then you spin a wheel of music genres, and you compose on the spot a song about that topic. That is brilliant. Where did you come up with that idea? Brilliant, is it? Um, <laughs> it really is. It really is brilliant. It's... Week, week to week, that might vary a little bit, but um, but but thanks. Um I mean, the way the like origin story that we always tell is I was desperate to do a podcast because mm-hmm. I love them. Um, and I um, was kind of a uh, a frustrated creative who had like transitioned into a more like corporate nine to five job where, yeah, I was using my writing skills, but, you know, I wasn't doing what I was doing with Scott, which was working on like musicals and writing musicals and I was like you're my creative partner like we should do something that's just an outlet for us and so we sat at a a local cafe and we were brainstorming like well what do we do and what do we like and like well we write songs like that's what we Mm -hmm. do together but how do we make that repeatable and how do we make it infinitely in- interesting and sure. also so that all of the burden of coming up with everything is not on us <laughs> every right. single episode. Yeah. It has to be sustainable. Um, yes, exactly. And so we came up with the idea of what what if we randomized or got the genre and topic suggestions either crowdsourced from our listeners or from the internet somehow yeah. and it sort of evolved it from It kind there. of is like what creating a musical is, but just in tiny, tiny little increment, little bits. Right. Little bits. Yes. Yeah, it started sort of as a, a songwriting exercise and also a way to keep us writing songs uh, in a time when we were a little bit busier and focused on other things and it's turned into a lot of silly fun and we now have uh, over 200 songs in 200 episodes and uh, there's no stopping in sight. Yeah. Well, normally the first question that we do on this quiz is a surprise to the guests. So they don't know what the topic is. And that first question is sort of the intro to that. But for this one, 
we have decided on a topic so that we could collaborate and do an episode on your show about it with me as a guest. And then you could guest on my show about that same topic. So what I've done is uh, I've found some questions, some quiz questions that are lateral to the story that that things that, that they're somewhat related, but not not really. Uh, and they all have we, we play for stakes in each question. So this will yes. all be new information for everyone listening. And for this first question, we're playing for five Twitter followers. Ooh. So if you get it right, I have to get you five Twitter followers. And if you okay. don't, you have to get me five. And the only stipulation of that is you can't use Fiverr. Uh, we had my friend Eric Tate on the show who he got someone Twitter guests with or Twitter followers with Fiverr. That doesn't count. Uh, okay. Our story this week takes place in San Francisco. Which one of these places is the source of the toilet water in San Francisco? Ooh. A, the Pacific Ocean. B, Yosemite National Park. Or C, the subterranean aquifer under the city. Huh. Oh. Do I we think... have to agree <laughs> on the answer? <laughs> yes, you'll, you'll, together you will have to come up with the one that you like the best. Got it. Mm. Well, I think the most interesting answer to me is Yosemite. Like we're taking this beautiful natural park water and pushing it into the San Francisco toilets. <laughs> right. But that's why I'm like, can that really be true? The Pacific Ocean feels too obvious. Right. Yosemite feels too much of a stretch, which was why I was going for the aquifer. But if you feel like it's so ridiculous, it has to be true. We can go with Yosemite. I'm, I'm always up for the ridiculous. So you're going with B, Yosemite National Park? Let's do it. Yes. You have just got five new Twitter followers. You are yes. correct. I will, yes. I will start pimping your podcast, and, uh, and, and I'll get those to so the Song Salad podcast. Um, awesome. the, the, the Song Salad Twitter account, which is what? At Song Salad podcast or at Song Salad? Song Salad? At Song Salad cast. Cast. At Song Salad cast on Twitter. If you're listening... Yes. Go follow them, and I will also, you know, send a couple tweets out. Uh, San Francisco's 2.7 million citizens are serviced by waters that originate in the Hetch, Hetchy watershed in Yosemite. It's wow. one of the purest sources of water in the world. It's treated, <laughs> but it's not filtered because the quality of the water is so pure. Isn't you know, that I, I've always considered moving to the West Coast, be like bi-coastal, and now I, this has really sealed the deal. The quality <laughs> of the toilet water is what's gonna. That is such a, what you look for. Such a California thing uh, to brag about the quality of your toilet water. I'm, yeah. you know, th I don't know why. When I was looking up like interesting facts about San Francisco, they talked about it as toilet water. It's tap water. I mean, it's the same, right? It's but the same. They, it's more interesting <laughs> when you say toilet water. Yes, All right, yes. great job on the first one. Question two for this question: If you get it wrong, you have to tell me the worst lyrics you ever wrote Ooh. oh if you get okay. it right i'll tell you mine which was a song i wrote when i was seven. Oh. one of emperor norton's decrees was to fire virginia governor henry a wise which one of these reasons did norton cite a wise was the man who ordered john brown to be hanged after his failed attempt at a slave rebellion b Wise had been taking bribes from President Millard Fillmore, or C, Wise had appeared in blackface in his college yearbook. <laughs> Just trying to cancel him. Well, 
I'm thinking about the time period, right? So we're talking about Emperor Norton. We're in like late 1850s, 1860s and onward. And so we, uh, I guess that's like right at the start of the, like the Civil War was sort of wrapping up and there was like a lot of, you know, we're in like reconstruction era. So like maybe it's the, the, John Brown one? Yeah, I'm wondering how he would have known about the bribes from Fillmore. Like, would that have been very public? Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, how did anybody know about it? There's newspapers. Um, I guess. Oof. I don't... Should we go with John Brown? Maybe. I guess I'm, I'm also trying to think about the likelihood that he was like an abolitionist, you know? I don't know. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it too. I guess so. I guess let's let's try. Okay. Let's so you're going with A. Why was Wise was the man who ordered John Brown to be hanged after his failed attempt at a slave rebellion? And I gotta tell you, you are correct. Ooh. Oh. So basically, um <laughs> you know, the John Brown very famously at Harper's Ferry um tried to start a slave rebellion that did not go well. And the Virginia governor, Henry A. Wise, was the man who decided that Brown would be hanged. And Norton was an abolitionist. He was he was for the rights of all people. Um, you know, a man, another p- place where he was maybe ahead of his time. Yeah. And yeah, that's why he decided Henry A. Wise shouldn't be Virginia governor. And he wanted to put the current vice president in place of which obviously not going to happen. He's vice president. Um, and <laughs> a little bit of a demotion. And C, the answer C was about uh, you know appearing in blackface in his college yearbook. I have to say that Governor Ralph Nor- Ralph Northam appeared mm. in blackface in his yearbook. Uh, he is the current governor of Virginia. Yeah, uh, yes. that is now. Yeah. It is 2021. Uh, so <laughs> great job on that. <laughs> Here are the lyrics to a song I wrote when I was seven, and I remember these oh, by heart wait. because this has been in my head for like 30, however many years. I take you here, I take you there, around the block and down the square. I take you everywhere, and then I get lost. (laughs) But I still know what I'm doing. I still know who I am. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at, but I don't know if I can. I'm in a weird world. Baby, I'm in a weird world. Wow. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Seven years old, and somewhere I have a video of me playing the drums and singing that song. That's amazing. That is very touching that you would write and very prescient to write a song about GPS technology. Right. When you were seven. I was like, much, much like Emperor Norton, I was ahead of my time. Yeah, really? Yes. Who's the you in the song? Who are you referring to? Uh, there was probably a girl. There was probably a girl. Um, but I was also, you know, loved like Michael Jackson and pop music when I was a little kid. And mm. so, you know, it could just be the it could just be the you. Like that, you know, love songs are written right, about. Right. If you can count that a love song about driving around and getting lost, I, I don't know. I think it's romantic. I remember, you know, to a seven-year-old, the world is very weird. Question True. three. The running prize for question three is always this. This is, yes. uh, this is Tell Me What to Google with Michael Kent, a sticker uh, that I had. I had these printed. This, <laughs> this podcast <laughs> was renamed probably the week after I got these in the mail. Amazing. Yes. So I need to get rid of these. And so I always play for this sticker. I will mail you each one of these 
And uh, Shannon, I've got to mail yours to Paris. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, it's okay. You can just mail it to Scott and he'll get it to me when he comes to Paris. Fair. He's, okay, yeah. that works. <laughs> Emperor Norton had his own money. Excuse me. Emperor Norton had his own money printed courtesy of local printers, which he would use as if it were real money. Out of respect, many businesses accepted his money. Another place where you could find printed money was at Disney Properties, which printed Disney dollars all the way up until 2016. They could be used to purchase things in the parks and shops. To this day, Disney dollars can be exchanged for cash. Which one of these characters' signatures appeared on the Disney dollars as treasurer? A. Mickey Mouse B. Walt Disney or C. Scrooge McDuck I was, was gonna, what I was going to guess. I was going to guess Scrooge McDuck. That was my guess, too. I mean, he famously dives into that pool of coins. It, it makes sense. And it was both of our first instincts, so I think we got to just not think about it, you know? Just go for the Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck? Is. Yeah, Scrooge McDuck. Your instinct is correct. It is Scrooge McDuck. Hey. Wow. And uh, so you will each get a Tell Me What to Google sticker in the mail. <laughs> And if people, if you put the sticker on something and people see it and they Google it, they will find nothing. <laughs> Such a collector's item. I love it. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. You know, he might be a little bit of a, a corrupt treasurer because like if he's yeah. a, already a billionaire, um, but I guess that's he's, something that that's maybe something that would happen in real life too. I don't know. Definitely skimming a little bit off the top. I sure. Think. Oh, for sure. Sure. What's the exchange rate on a Disney dollar? <laughs> It's it's the same as the exchange rate of shroot bucks to Stanley Nichols. Mm, mm. I don't I don't very very volatile currency. Yeah. Some people are listening to this like, what is he talking about? <laughs> question four. For this question, we're playing for an audio Easter egg in your next episode. Ooh. So if you get it wrong, you'll have to say a phrase of my choosing in your next podcast. If you get it right, I'll have to say the same phrase in the next episode of this show. Here's the phrase. Oh, so good. The phrase is, quote, and that is how I learned that raccoons actually enjoy Lana Del Rey. <laughs> Once more. Is it bad that that doesn't sound that weird to me? I tried to pick one that, that, that you can sort of shoehorn into your podcast easily. And that Love is it. how I learned that raccoons actually enjoy Lana Del Rey. Here's your question. One of Emperor Norton's crazy ideas that eventually came to fruition many years after his death was a bridge connecting San Francisco and Oakland. We now know that is the famous Golden Gate Bridge. True or false? The Golden Gate Bridge is not red. It's orange. I, I, think, that's, I think that's true. I, I think it's actually intended to be orange and the like something about how the paint oxidizes or changes in the exposure causes that That's all right my instinct. thank you shannon what do we think scott i'm gonna say neither <laughs> uh, it's either true or false <laughs> i'm gonna say it's burnt sienna okay uh, let's go with orange i agree with shannon you are four for four that is correct. Uh, consulting architect Irving Morrow decided on the color International Orange because it matched with the bridge surrounding landscape. Uh, also, fun fact, if you'd like to paint your house the color of the Golden Gate Bridge, ask for Sherwin-Williams paint code SW6328. Oh. In case you want your shutters, or you could do like a full house front door, maybe. That would, right. be, that would be good, mm -hmm. and it could be, yeah, it's an International Orange. A lot of people, I think, think it's red, but it actually is, and it's currently being painted 
because it's always being painted. They never stop painting it. That's, <laughs> that's actually true. Yeah. So listen for that audio Easter egg next week. This one is for all the marbles. Question five. Wow. If you get this wrong, I am banning you from the show never to be asked on again. <laughs> for this one, I'm going to take an answer from each of you. So we'll start with you, Scott. Okay. What are you currently listening to? Wow, what am I currently listening to? Uh, I am currently listening to a podcast called Smartless, which is hosted by Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Wow. And each episode, one of them brings on a surprise guest to surprise the other two. And they do a freeform, unplanned interview. And it's comedians and filmmakers and there's NASA astronauts and politicians. And it's a wonderful, hilarious podcast. That sounds like a lot of fun. I will, uh, I will start following that one. Smartless. Very cool. I love all those people. How about you, Shannon? What am I listening to? Um, well, actually, um, I uh, have accepted an invitation to be a judge for the New Jersey Podcast Festival uh, for their fiction podcasts. So I have been uh, listening to about two dozen samples from upcoming emerging fiction podcasts uh, over the past like couple weeks because I have to make some determinations of what I think should be nominated uh, to, to enter the festival or not. That sounds um, like it could either be awesome or horrible. <laughs> yeah um i i for many many years in new york city i was a script reader for the roundabout um theater company and so it feels very much like the same sort of thing like you kind of oh, crack one open and you never really know what you're gonna get um and there have been some like really lovely surprises and there have been some things that i'm like how long is this sample when can i turn it off <laughs> um but yeah, so like a little bit of a um, a buffet of of different things and fiction podcasts, which I am uh, I am a writer and a storyteller, but I don't listen to a lot of pure fiction podcasts. Nor so do I. it's uh, yeah, it's like new and exciting for me to Fun listen. Fun departure, to these. awesome. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, when I when I asked you that question, I was expecting you both to be listening to music, but you both are listening to podcasts, <laughs> and uh, that is that is equally interesting. Shannon and Scott of the the Song Salad podcast, I have to thank you so much for taking some time out of your weekend and uh, and and it was fun to to get to meet you. I think that our listeners will enjoy your podcast and vice versa. Next week on Song Salad, Scott and Shannon's podcast, you'll hear us talk about Emperor Norton. And here's what just happened. This this just happened. They spun the wheel of genres and they landed on skater punk. And so I went upstairs, hung out with my dogs for like, it was, I swear it was like 20 minutes or less. And I came back downstairs to the studio and they had written this song from scratch about Emperor Norton. This is the world debut. You'll hear it here first. And then if you listen to their podcast next week, they'll talk about sort of why they chose to do the things they chose, where they came up with the lyrics. You'll hear the process of them writing this song, and you'll hear us make fun of Emperor Norton a little bit before that. So here it is. The song is called Take Off Your Hat and Suit. Down with politicians and their bloated corrupt missions The only one that will salute Got beaver hat and bright blue suit All hail, all hail, Emperor 
emperor Take a knee, kiss the ring Bow to the emperor Saber hat and everything Bow to the emperor Free lunch, take a plate Bow to the emperor Of these United States Bow to the emperor Take a knee, kiss the ring Bow to the emperor Saber hat and everything Bow to the emperor Free lunch, take a plate Bow to the emperor Of these United States Unbelievable. The Song Salad Podcast. Go find them. The link is in the show notes. And follow. You're going to love that that show. That is this week's show. What a fun episode this was. It was so much fun that I just paid this little kid to take us out. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and Josh Van Allen. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Song Salad, Asher Falero, and Ease Jammy Jams. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17, USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. 